My name is Nathan Gold. I hail from the San Francisco Bay Area and travel around the world coaching thousands of people for high-stakes speaking opportunities, especially when you can't afford to miss. Welcome to the Pitch Elevator, where people summarize their life's work in 60 seconds or less. Sometimes you really do only get one chance to make a first impression. In today's show, we're going to meet Emilio. Hi, I'm Emilio Mesa. I'm founder and creator of The Art of Hospitality, dinner parties, and events. But before he meets me, he'll meet our Pitch Elevator listeners, who are here to give us insights as to how investors receive his pitch. My name is Jimmy Koo. I'm the general manager of Fundraise Concierge at Atrium. I've seen fundraising from both sides, having been an entrepreneur myself, raising millions. Hi, my name is Megan Ramies, and I manage international and government relations for Plug and Play Tech Center here in Silicon Valley. Let the pitch elevator begin. All right, everyone. So my name is Emilio Mesa, and my business concept, it's basically my last name, Mesa, um, which means table in Spanish, um, but I use it as an acronym to make everyone sit again. And I do curated dinner parties. Um, I host a lot of international people and figures and things like that. And I have found that when you get people together in a room that's beautifully set and curated and decorated and with, you know, specialty cocktails and paired wines and good food. People sit down and like, you really come together and the defense comes low and people really share who they are. So that's basically my concept. And I want to do that starting with our country and go everywhere. So make everyone sit again. Great. How are you going to make money? Well, I actually already do. So um, my day job is I'm an event producer and planner. So I work with different companies, especially tech companies here in the city. And I produce and I plan their conferences and their events. And I'm paired with a um, with a company called Eat With, um, which is basically like Airbnb, but for dinner parties. So they're basically like my agent. So they send me a lot of groups. Um, so I get a lot of people from China, I get a lot of people from Germany, Spain, I mean, internationally, and some locals, and that's my side gig. And that's how I got the idea to do this, these dinner parties was through that. How do you get people right now? How do you reach out to more folks and let them know about these dinner parties? So um, aside from the promotion from the company Eat With, um, you know, they do email blasts and, you know, like Instagram posts, Facebook, all social media stuff. I just basically um, do on my own because I'm currently the number two private chef in San Francisco per TripAdvisor and number 84 out of 5,189 experiences competing with restaurants to eat just for my dinner parties. So people contact me through social media or TripAdvisor. These are really strong statistics that give Emilio a lot of credibility, yet none of this information was in his formal pitch. It's been two and a half minutes, and only now do we know that he's way more than just some guy with an idea. But you're talking about expanding elsewhere. So when you take it on the road, what, what are some of the additional complexities of now being on the road? Well, the complexities, I mean, it's it's basically something that I'm used to, which is basically like event management, event management production, which I've always done. So it's just basically it's transportation and it's um, logistics. 
You know, so it's like whenever you're in a new city, it's a new situation, it's new people, new rules, new everything. So, but it's, it all comes down to planning. So, and like I said, like I've done a lot of destination events before. So as long as you do your research and you pre, 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 pre plan everything, you're fine. But I guess why take it on the road versus expand here? Like you've built a following here, right? Why not continue expanding on that here? Our listeners are narrowing in on what kind of business Emilio is running. I imagine they're wondering if Emilio is trying to build a startup or a lifestyle business. A lifestyle business is created and run by its founder to serve the purpose of sustaining a particular, you know, level of income or lifestyle. It usually does not attract large investments nor scale in the huge ways other companies typically do. There's nothing wrong with that at all. In fact, many great businesses are not designed to scale or attract a lot of capital. It's just important to know what kind of business you are. I'm excited to help Emilio so he can address this effectively. No, I mean, I, mean, I totally want to do that. Absolutely. You know, I mean, it's like we're in a huge major city, you know, one of the biggest cities in, in our country. I just want to take this concept and spread it out because like personally speaking, like my happiest moments as a child was sitting down with my family and with friends. And my grandmother would always leave an empty seat in an empty plate for somebody new to join because everybody always needs a meal. If we can do that, I mean, even started from like a very minor basic point and do that everywhere, it might not change your life, but it might make you happy at least for that moment. And besides, we all need to eat, so... Who are you targeting? Are you targeting tourists? Are you looking to partner up with large corporations who maybe have, I don't know, board members flying in for specific events? Who's who's your target customer? Yes, all of the above. Okay. Yeah, it's everybody. It's like I said earlier, it's just, you know, we all need to eat. We all need to sit down. And I think when when you do that, it's 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 an act of kindness. You know what I mean? Cuz at a at a very basic human level, we all need that, even if we don't realize it. But once you get it, you're like, oh, you know, because I've had a lot of dinner parties, like every single person that comes into um, to one of my dinner parties, I make them sign um, my guest book. And so I have like Chinese and Hebrew and German, you name it, I have it. And I found that the most resistant people when they come in, you know, like stiff upper lip and they're like, oh, I don't know, like they're very reserved. It's like afterwards, like they let their guard down. And then they're like, this is good, you know? And I'm like, and I'm like, I did my job. Yeah. I think the concept of bringing people back to the dinner table is a great one. And you want to expand that even further and you're only one person. So what are you thinking in terms of scalability? How would you do that? So like I said earlier, so I mean, I've been an event planner and producer now for 15 years now. So I just basically want to put together a small team, you know, and just to produce logistics and concepts and things like that. But the concept that I see going um, going further, it's um, I want to showcase different things like what Anthony Bourdain did, you know, for international travel. I want to do that for dinner parties because no two dinner parties are ever alike. And there's always a different type of food, a different type of fusion, a different type of ingredient. And I want to be able to showcase and highlight people. You know, it's like I always say it's not about me, but it's through me like a conduit. You know, and that's basically how I see it, like a very small core team. And then everybody else is just like a different ensemble cast. Here's a big statement. 
it's very common in a pitch to say, I want to be the X for Y, kind of like I want to be the Uber of or the Airbnb of or the Yelp of. And I got to tell you, investors are tired of that kind of stuff. You have to make sure that the comparison truly matches what you're pitching. If you can't, that could be a pitch killer. I'm curious to ask our experts how they reacted. So when's your next dinner party and what's the theme? Um, so my next dinner party is on Friday. And um, I have a, a business group coming from Portugal. They're here for a medical conference. Uh, and no, it's just um, Spanish um, fusion Caribbean food and, um, you know, um, great cocktails and wine and um, coquito for dessert and, you know, um, passion fruit mimosas. So, yeah. What are you looking for? What is your ask? My ask is basically um, to have the support, the support to take this concept and take it not just in our city, but nationwide and globally. So basically, that's what I need. I just need the funding and the backing to take this concept to the highest level so that I can reach as many people as possible and make it a thing, you know, like the dinner table, if you will. And how much do people who come to these dinner parties typically pay? So I have different menus that people choose from. So it depends. Um, I have some menus that are um, um, that are $85 per person, and that includes tax, tip, you know, like a, like a restaurant. Um, it's all inclusive. I um, mean, in the cleaning, blah, 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 um, $100 or $150. But that depends, you know, like levels of um, complexities and specificity. You know, like some people are like, no, I'm gluten-free. I'm like, no, I can only eat fish. I'm like, oh, da, da, da. So it's just like the menu goes higher because I literally have to curate every seat at the table as opposed to just doing an entire meal for everyone. Won't that make it difficult for you to scale if what you're offering is extremely curated versus having not a cookie cutter model, but something that you can easily roll out? Um, actually, no, it's a lot simpler than that. And you would think it wouldn't be. But basically, um, so like the moniker for my food is basically California Caribbean. So I have very specific recipes. Like I'm not like a short order cook. You're like, give me a grilled cheese. I'm like, no, it's not like that. They're very specific, very curated. And I've made sure that every, um, that every, uh, every menu that I sell can be translated, whether you're vegan, pescatarian, or, you know, vegetarian or whatever, because it's all the same recipe. It's all the same flavors. It's the same ingredients. They're just transferred into different proteins. This is the first time we hear what type of food Emilio cooks. This is a definitive attribute of his company, and it almost didn't make it into the conversation. Definitely needs to be earlier. Emilio has grand plans, but did he communicate effectively enough? I'll sit down with Jimmy and Megan, and we'll find out exactly how they felt about the pitch. Welcome back to The Pitch Elevator, where we've heard our listeners talking to Emilio about his amazing dinner parties. Now let's talk to them and see how we can elevate Emilio's pitch. 
Thank you, Megan and Jimmy, for listening to a private chef's elevator pitch. That was pretty cool, huh? So can you pitch his business to me? Emilio is a private chef who is passionate about bringing people to the table because that's where the magic happens. How he's going to scale that, I'm not sure. But my understanding is that he just wants to get out there and, and really just bring people to the mesa. Yeah, Emilio is bringing people back to the dinner table. He's a private chef and someone who has created a lot of private events as well. And he wants to take that and expand that globally. Excellent. Why did you keep asking him about scaling and taking this to the world? Because I, I was sitting there thinking the same thing. It's like you're one person. How are you going to do this? And I'm not, I'd like to ask you, were you happy with his answer? I was not perfectly happy with his answer. Um, Jimmy and I, I think when when we hear startups pitch, we're used to either software, hardware companies, um, tech companies. So seeing a pitch that's in such a traditional industry or, or area is, it's you have to get that down. You have to be able to answer those questions. How big can this get? If you're looking for investment, if you're looking for channel partners, strategic partners, what what's in it for them? How do you make money? How do they make money? Yeah, I agree. He didn't really address the scalability problem. I mean, he did bring up the example of Anthony Bourdain, which I thought, okay, understandable. If that's the route you want to go, it's about bringing that to the masses on a platform like media or something along those lines. But that's not where he was going with it. He was using that example, but he didn't really actually have an actionable plan to scale. And I think his current thinking is to just continue doing dinner parties and events. That's his background. That's what he understands. That's what he knows. I don't think he's actually thought about really expanding it uh, beyond just having these events. And there's nothing wrong with that, but that's a lifestyle business, right? And that's why our thinking is a little bit different because it's really more about how are you going to make this a much larger business because an investor wouldn't invest in a lifestyle business. It can be a great, great business that he continues to run and he can bring a lot of happiness to a lot of people that join the dinner table, but it's not an investor's um, it's not something an investor would actually put money in. And there might be nothing wrong with that. It's just that a different mentality. Do you have an idea of how we could turn this into an investable opportunity? Absolutely. There's ways to make it scalable, right? Um, if you want to talk about the technology front, you can make a platform. If you want to talk about just people, there's a way to leverage that by teaching others or expanding to other geographic locations with a team that actually then takes that on. But right now, everything he talks about is focused on him and nothing can scale beyond him. So if he's not in San Francisco, then no parties, no events, no dinners will happen here. If he's traveling, nothing will happen here. So his number two rating in TripAdvisor, while great, doesn't really help him when he goes elsewhere because you've got to start brand new from scratch again. In a way, it sounds like what he needs is Atrium or plug and play (laughs) as a way to test out a way that he can scale his business because there's plenty of mentors and coaches at those places where perhaps he could discover whether it is indeed a real scaling opportunity or if he should just maintain it as a lifestyle business and just have a good life. Yeah, and absolutely. Plug and play has great mentors. 
atrium, we can provide him with legal support and legal services. Um, but at the end of the day, I think I think the bigger question is what does he want to do with it? Because if he doesn't want to think about scaling it on a more massive level, and he is happy with it being a lifestyle business, he can still ex- expand to other locations without really thinking about it becoming the largest provider of these dinner parties, right? So I think it's just more, what do you want first? And if you do want to find better ways to scale, then I agree with you. Find the right mentors, find ways that you can do that on a more scalable fashion and and start from there. I kind of like his number two position. If I was him, I wouldn't want to be number one because then everybody's <laughs> going to be trying to knock you down. Yeah. You know, like the old Avis <laughs> We try harder. Exactly. You know, and the first person's going to be the most expensive. The next person, well, maybe they'll be. I did love his passion. Yeah. I love that he was very clearly talking about something that he was very, very passionate about. He had a very personal story there as well. When you're talking about narrative, a lot of times those are the things that people will remember. And those are the things that will stick with you and, and make for a really good story. I 100% agree with Jimmy. That's what I appreciated most about Emilio's pitch is that he spoke from his heart and he told a story, something that we can all relate to. And that's, that's when you, when people start paying attention is when you tell something that makes them feel something. Yeah, absolutely. Maya Angelou has a quote. It says, she learned people will forget what you said. People will forget what you do, but they will never forget how you make them feel. And Emilio did that. He did get us all to feel something. Yeah, absolutely. And he's right. We all need to eat. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Megan and Jimmy, for taking the time to listen to Emilio, our private chef. We heard a lot, but I haven't yet talked to Emilio. That's coming up next on Pitch Elevator. Emilio came on Elevator Pitch to tell the world about his desire to scale his dinner party business across America. I've heard his pitch. I've heard Jimmy and Megan's feedback. The only thing left to do is sit and talk with Emilio. Thank you very much, Emilio, for uh, your Elevator Pitch to our two investors. Thank you so much for having me. I'm always curious to start with, how do you think you did? Oh... Talk about putting me on the spot. <laughs> um, it's just you and me. Forget about all yeah. the listeners for a moment. It's just you and me. What do you think? No, I think I, mean, I, I think I did okay. I think I communicated my message as best as possible. Um, but I'm always like my harshest critic. I'm like, oh, maybe I should have elaborated more on this. Maybe I should have said less on that. Or so, yeah, but I think so, so, okay. Oh, no, I think you did pretty well as well. <laughs> Thank you. You can always improve in these things. But the feedback that I got from those two investors was they they love the idea, but they're not so sure how you're going to scale it. Mm-hmm. And the answers that you gave them when they asked you about how do you, how do you make your vision of bringing this to the world when you're only one person. Right. So that's probably one of their biggest feedbacks was to take this worldwide as one person, you're going to have to think through that with much more distinction about how you can make that happen. Jimmy said, the minute you leave San Francisco to go to New York, there's no Emilio here in San Francisco to right. be the number two chef. So it would be incredible to see what you can do with this. So they thought that you have 
what most people call a lifestyle business mm -hmm. as opposed to a get big, grow big business. That's their impression from just today. Tomorrow, it can be a totally different thing if you just talked about it differently and positioned it as a grow, get big kind of business. But you have to fill in the missing pieces first, right. if that's what you really want to do. Yes. Is it? It is. It is. I want to take this as high as it can go. You know, and like I said, I want to take it in, you know, not just with our country, like, you know, city to city, but I want to make it international and also to, you know, be able to be a platform for other to highlight other people as well. Like, it's not about me per se. It's like, I'm just a channel, the conduit, you know, and it's, you know, like, like I always say, like what Anthony Bourdain did for international food and travel, mm -hmm. I want to do for dinner parties. And I, I always say to people, no two dinner parties are ever the same. You know, it's, it could be the same people, but they're never the same because the energy is always different because it's that moment in time. So I want to be able to capture those moments while highlighting and featuring other people. Do you have plans to find more people like Emilio around the world who can do what you do? Or are you wanting to be that person who goes out there and does it? Initially, I want to be the person doing that. But then eventually, you know, as I get older and things change and I would want to basically pass the baton to other people. And I think if I'm able to do that and be able to build it through that process, once I get to that point, I would have met or nurtured or helped someone along the way in order to, you know, to pass the baton. And OK, now, kid, mm. you know, you take it from there. Mm. So when I was listening to Jimmy and Megan talk about this, it, it, it sort of reminded me that what you're doing could easily become a TEDx talk or it, a book. You're totally spot on on that because the other thing that I do, I'm also a published writer. So I have credits with the Huffington Post, New York Times, SF Weekly, um, Out Magazine. Um, and I wrote um, an essay that came out in a book anthology last year called The Byline Bible for my great writing mentor, the great Susan Shapiro. And um um, I have a book deal, so my first book comes out next year. But to your point, um, that's exactly what I want to do because I always tell people, um, you know, food and tables, they tell, they tell a story, you know? And it's like it's our human commonality. Like we have that in common as, as people. Like we all need to sit. We all need to eat. So why not build a story from there? So, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's awesome that you picked up on that. So, yeah. And you're an event planner too, right? Yes. It seemed like you mentioned that at 42 seconds into your elevator pitch. That's something that I, I think I'd almost want to hear sooner. Okay. But you really did give me enough of what you're doing and why you're doing it. Your credibility of being the number two private chef out of how many? 5,981? Or I, I wrote yeah. Um, no, no. I'm number two private chef in San Francisco. And then I'm number 84 to 5,189 places to eat um, competing with restaurants in San Francisco. That's a powerful, powerful uh, credibility statement. Well, you only you. need one or two of those in there. And I won the Certificate of Excellence Award for 2019 from TripAdvisor. Well, those three things together are enough to believe that you have the internal... You have the, in, the, the internal fortitude or to get this done. So now it's a matter of figuring out how you can scale it. Uh, do you want to be number one? Absolutely. Why? Um, Why not be number two? 
No, I mean, number two is fine. I mean, it's just like, as long as I'm on the radar, it's fine. But yeah, it's... Um, one, two, or three. Right. No, but I mean, it's... um, I'm, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm a very goal-oriented person. So I'm like, there's always something to work towards. So I'm like, if I'm number two, I have to be number one. But then if I'm number one, then, then I have what? to... Then I have to maintain myself at number... You know what I mean? So it's I like... I, so I believe in like, always like you should always think forward. You should always aspire to something a little bit more because we could always be better. Okay. You know, so... so. But, if, but you just contradicted yourself in my book. You said, so? once I get to be number one, now I have to maintain that. How does that compare to being number two and trying to be better? Well, I think it's Maintaining just... Maintaining and being better to me are two different things. I know I'm calling you out on this. No, but, no, no. You're but f- being you're number two, you're yeah. constantly looking for ways to improve and get better. As number one, you're protecting yourself. Right. That might change your mindset. I don't know. I don't, we don't have to get too philosophical Well, I'll tell you here. when I get there. <laughs> okay. Okay, good. Okay, so here's a couple of things that there's two things that you're doing in, in the way you speak that I'd like to see you take out. In that short interaction you had with, the, with Jimmy and Megan, you said things like, as I said earlier, as I said before. And with that short period of time, when you say things like that, it's like it, – as a listener, I think, oh, I'm, he thinks I'm too stupid to remember what he said four minutes ago. So try to just eliminate those words. Just say whatever you put after it, but just don't say, as I said before, just say whatever it is you say after. It's okay to say it again, but you don't want to remind people, oh, as, as I said before, because it's almost like your parents saying, as I told you before. And I think you'll find a different... It might come across as condescending. A little so, bit. Yeah, okay. A little Got bit. It. Not a lot, but a little bit. Got it. And then the other thing that is uh, fairly common is in your language, if you go back and listen to the whole thing, is you said basically about 18 times. <laughs> is this your word? Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> it could be one of those nervous words that yeah. comes out when you're under pressure like you were here with the table. That's a great place for a pause. If all you did was replace basically with a pause, you'll be treated with more confidence. People will see you as more confident. And that pause will let them think about what you said just before that. And basically also tells me as a listener, okay, you got to tell me basically because I'm too stupid to understand whatever it is you want to tell me that's not basic. And nothing you do is really basic or everybody else would do it. So you don't want to dumb it down like that. That word basically, I would drop it out of your vocabulary and then... Things will change. You said at the end, your moniker, but I didn't hear the moniker earlier. If your moniker is, we're California Caribbean, I think I need to hear that two or three times, don't you? Uh, yes, I mean, no, if, it makes total sense. If you want sense. me to listen and have it as something I walk out with, I'd like right. to hear that a couple of times. Yeah. So uh, what questions do you have for me? Any? Oh my, I have so many. <laughs> um, when can wh- I hire you? Where is it? <laughs> um, I'm available. It's just um, no. So I would say it's um, based on you know your and thank you so much for you know for your advice. It's and and taking it in. And I'm like okay, like I, that totally makes sense, and I need to reframe that within myself. So you know, a next opportunity, so I can uh, pitch better, if you will. Um, but. In terms of scalability, which you spoke about um, at the beginning, if you were me, like, how would you see, like, my next steps based on what you know about me and what I've said? 
if I were you, my next steps would get would be to get as clear in my mind if I'm going to make this a really wonderful lifestyle business and just make millions of dollars and make bring lots of joy to people with what you do, or if you're going to grow it and make it big. There's a two totally different ways of thinking. When you decide that, then you need to make that decision and just go all out. So if you're going to be a lifestyle business, there's nothing wrong with it. Right. But you need to understand that lifestyle business will not accomplish your dream or goal. Right. No, absolutely. So you might need to scale back your dream and goal, which you can then still feel fulfilled and happy and whatnot. Or you almost, in my opinion, need to set that lifestyle business aside and get help. Get help from an incubator like Plug and Play or Atrium or any others out there so that they can help you understand how to take this idea, this business that you have already validated with real people. You've already accomplished tons of, of results. You're number two, right? You've got all this stuff going. You are accomplished. Now it's a matter of taking that and forming it into a real business. And I'm not the right person to tell you how to do that, but I can tell you there's incubators, accelerators, and co-working places all over the place that you just need to find your tribe. Find there's food tech going on all over the place. Now, you're not really tech, so you may find it a little difficult to get into one of these tech incubators, but there's they're out there. There are places out there for you to get help without necessarily being like inventing a, a new thing. And that's what I would do. That it, Once you get that straight in your mind, then everything else you can direct towards that mission. Thank you so much. That's, that's incredible. Thank you. And my final thought for the episode. It's important to know what kind of business you want. You can have a beautifully profitable business that works for you and makes you rich that just isn't scalable. It's important to remember that investors aren't just looking for a successful business. They're looking for a business that can make them money. These scalable businesses aren't what many successful entrepreneurs even want. You need to listen to your vision and set your sights on the type of company you truly want. And also realizing that if you want to go big, you might have to make some big changes. And that's especially true when you have partners. All of your partners need to think alike. If one partner wants a lifestyle business and another partner wants a grow big, get big business, I tell you right now, it's over. One of you is going to lose. Make sure you're all on the same page. This has been an episode of The Pitch Elevator. I want to thank our pitcher, Emilio, and our listeners, Megan Ramies and Jimmy Koo. This episode was recorded and edited at Women's Audio Mission in downtown San Francisco by Veronica Simonetti, along with Danny Chaparro and Jessica Mao, our assistant engineers. Our producer is Ethan Mayers. Larry Wong and Bradley King are associate producers. 
Mitchell Tong is our Associate Director of Photography, and Phil Olarte is our webmaster. Check out our website at pitchelevatorshow.com or follow us on Facebook or Twitter. Until next time, and as always, I'm Nathan Gold.